acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Lofton. And we talk about the representation of women in movies. Yes, mm-hmm. it's our job it's our job we're making millions of dollars doing this there's some i feel like sometimes people get the wrong idea of how much podcasters make which is zero dollars yeah it's wild anyways this is our show about the role of the the portrayal of women in movies uh we use the bechdel test as a starting off point bechdel test being a media metric invented by cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test, mm. uh, that requires that a scene in a piece of media have two female-identifying characters with names that talk to each other about something other than a man. Sounds simple enough. But most things don't pass the Oopsies. test. Oopsies. Oopsie-daisy. Let's demo it, shall we? Sure. Hey, Jamie. What, Caitlin? <laughs> Do you feel that the odds may ever be in your favor? Um, Usually I would say no. <laughs> I feel like I would have. I mean, I know this is true of all survivalist movies, but I'm like, oh, I died 45 minutes ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's no fucking way. But I also felt that way about uh, many characters. And I won't specify the gender, so it passes the test in conclusion that passes the test (laughs) well how about a a conversation that won't pass the Bechdel test I hate Josh Hutcherson's hair in this movie (laughs) fair fair um mine was gonna be Jamie did you know that the actor who plays the game maker in Hunger Games is neither Jim Caviezel nor Milo Ventimiglia Thought it was one or the other of them. Turns out neither. It's Ventimiglia. Oh, shit. We need to talk about men more. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, we're, we're super excited to talk. We're talking about the Hunger Games today. Yes. Hunger Games won. So Hunger Games stands. Don't slide into our mentions asking why we didn't refer to Hunger Games. How many were, movies were there? 900? Four. Too many. There, <laughs> don't ask us about the other three. I am not prepared to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the first movie that came out in 2012 today. Yes. And here to join us in our discussion, yeah. uh, we've got the hosts of... Teen Creeps podcast. It's Kelly Nugent and Lindsay Katai. Hi. 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 Thanks for being here. Ooh, Thank you so- for sound us. of a cannon. There, oh, yeah. <laughs> or hopefully not the I mean, sound of a cannon. That means you died. I'm going to kill all of you before <laughs> this is over. Oh, yeah. What if uh, by the end of this, there can be only one victor left? Ooh. Ooh I, I wish I had known that ahead of time. <laughs> I don't think I would have agreed to do the show. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute to the guild first. <laughs> They're like, that's not how it works. You're like, I want to make it happen. Yeah, I want to be the girl in the crowd that raises her hand and is like, please kill me. <laughs> I'm ready to die. <laughs> that's a fun fanfic version. Oh. And then that's like galaxy brain because if you're like, Elizabeth Banks, step on my neck and kill me. And then she's like, no, you're going to live. And you're like, oh, no. And then you live forever. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's so reverse psychology. Different kind of reverse psychology. Dystopian people are so easily confused. Mm. So for the two of you, what is your history relationship with this movie, the franchise? Have you read the books? All that kind of good Where stuff. Where are we at? So I did not read the books or the movie or read the movie. Or- <laughs> I'm okay. I We're here didn't with you. read the I movie did, and I did you? watch the book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I put it on a chair and <laughs> stared at it for hours. It I, wasn't great. Um, I uh, didn't do the movies or books until like later after they had been out for a while because I was very like anti at the time. I think I was just like, I only like adult fiction. Mm-hmm. This was obviously before <laughs> Lindsay and I started our podcast because all we do is read stuff for YA audience. Yeah. But then I finally gave in and I like watched the first movie and I was like, oh, dang, I like this. And then I went and like found the books and read the books. But I don't really remember the books. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, good. What about I you, Lindsay? I read the books first. They were recommended to me by a friend who thought that I would like them. Mm-hmm. And I did like them. I liked them fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I liked the it's movie very, fine. Mm-hmm. Sure. Very diplomatic. I liked it well enough. <laughs> yeah. I truly don't have a terribly negative opinion about them or a, like I'm not super amped about them either. Ambivalence mm. is, you know, solid. Uh, I feel like that's fun. a common Both theme in this solid. room towards <laughs> this franchise. Yeah. Mm. I think Respectable. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie, how about you? Uh, this is one of the many franchises that I just completely slept on. I don't know what I was doing when these books were coming out, I don't, I mean, maybe I was taking yet another foray into being a guy's gal and just missed the entire thing. (laughs) I just started seeing movies three years ago when we started this (laughs) podcast. So I remember the books were popular and I also felt like I'm like, I'm too old for this Mm -hmm. because I feel like I was just like a teen and wanted to be too old for something. Did you think that they were similar to like Twilight kind of? No, but they can't. They're like the same era of yeah. book, right? Like I think that Twilight might have been the last YA fiction I read before mm. I decided, like arbitrarily, that I'd aged out of it. Mm. But I don't know. I think that maybe if I were a few years younger, I would have read these books, but I didn't. 
And then I don't, I, I just like had really no desire to see the movie, even though I had a very weird formative crush on Josh Hutcherson that I, I no longer stand by. Interesting. <laughs> but he was in this movie called Firehouse Dog, and I was there for Firehouse Dog okay. for some reason. That sounds familiar, um, but I can't think what it is. I couldn't tell you one thing that happens in the movie Firehouse <laughs> Dog. I was really there for Josh Hutcherson and the rest of the people there were like nine. Um, yeah, I have no history with this franchise is what I'm saying. What about you, Caitlin? I read the books, I want to say must have been like 2010 or maybe a little bit later. I think I read them in preparation for the first movie mm. coming out. Got so it. that would have been probably a little bit sometime in like 2012 I guess I don't know in that frame of time and then I since then have seen each of the movies in theaters and that makes me sound like I'm a big fan of this franchise Mm -hmm. which I again would not call myself Mm -hmm. Uh, I just I just tend to see most movies especially ones that are big and that you know people are going to talk about because you know I like to be a part of the conversation Caitlin's addicted to the discourse I sure am (laughs) so uh, I I love a cultural moment (laughs) (laughs) but I think I've only seen each movie once aside from the first one to prep for the episode and I remember thinking the movies are better than the books and in, in, in a rare case of, of me thinking that because I feel like the movies are just more streamlined story-wise, especially the third one gets really sloppy in the book and I'm just like, what is even happening? Uh, I heard the, that. Yeah. I, I don't think I actually read the third one, but mm-hmm. I, I did hear it was very sloppy and the movie was better. Yes. Wait, what happens? Well, they Basically, overthrow the government. Yeah, the, the, she becomes like, like Katniss that. becomes a symbol for like the revolution of like them trying to overthrow this like totalitarian government. Right. That and makes and then, sense. but like, she's very moody for a lot of the time and like oh, doesn't really do nothing, much. You know what? This but... is a classic Harry Potter book. What is it? Four, five. Four, yeah, is it the one where he gets really moody and like loses five. his temper yeah. in, a, yeah. in a tea cake shop or something? <laughs> where I was, I remember getting to that part and being like, I don't need any part of this. But I, I, I yeah, I don't think I could be there for Katniss being that moody. Yeah, I. But I she lost is always that moody. She's a pretty moody. She's like hundred percent mood, zero percent personality. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, I do agree that she does not have much of a personality, which I don't like. I mean, and again, I haven't read the books. And so I'm like, I don't know how much of this is just Jennifer Lawrence. Make, I mean, it's Jennifer Lawrence is weird. I feel like she's a polarizing actor mm-hmm. for many. Mm-hmm. I always kind of like get leery around conversations like that because I'm always like is it I you know people are more critical of actresses than of mm-hmm. actors, mediocre actors flourish all the time. Mm. I don't love her performance in this movie. I feel like she I don't know if the character is written to be kind of like boring. Yes. It but is. I that found is true. Her it is written to be boring, unfortunately. Oh. Well, well, I don't maybe think she did a great job. I don't think what's her face <laughs> sat down and went I'm going to write a really boring character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that is what, what ended happened? up being on the page. Yes. So um, yeah, is... her personality is, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hungry or like, I'm boring. scared. Oh, no. Yeah. What have I gotten myself into this time? Like, <laughs> like the part, I yeah. definitely felt that feeling a lot. Like right when Lenny Kravitz is like 30 seconds and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Right. She, I think happening. this is this is high visibility for strong female protagonists that are also boring as fuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will say she's uh, a little less boring than like 
the most boring female protagonist, which is Bella Swan. Uh, sure. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, she at least like has opinions, which is like I don't yeah. like this. And a skill. Like a skill. she has a strong. Mm-hmm. She's skill. good at hunting and, and, and she, tracking, and, and she doesn't trip nearly as much her, as yeah. Bella Swan. No. Yeah. Yeah, she's not as clumsy. But when she does trip, <laughs> the stakes are high. That's oh, true. She falls down a freaking giant hill. Yeah. I was like, very oh, high stakes. That would like hurt. I was like, ouchie. <laughs> and it's like right at the beginning. I know. It's so early that she, she falls for so long. It felt like, uh, what is that movie that's supposed to be parodying uh, Kung Pao? Is that that oh. like karate parody yeah. movie mm-hmm. where there's like, there's a scene in that movie where a baby falls down the same hill and it's clearly a puppet and it <laughs> falls for like 45 yeah. seconds yeah. It's and like it's that. really funny. Um, <laughs> or it's like Princess Bride. So Katniss is just like, As oh, yeah. You wish. <laughs> Uh, it's with right. it's, it's, uh, yeah a strong character that <laughs> I was not emotionally compelled by uh, even for a moment except no. for the stuff with your sister but we'll get to that sure 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 oh sure uh, I'll do the recap and then we'll dive into the discussion yeah and everyone feel free to mm. talk over her so she gets nothing out <laughs> yeah That's I'll just talk about my day <laughs> <laughs> okay so we open with some like text information about the Hunger Games which Jamie as you pointed out is in Helvetica font. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. That no, font, I, I that font was ooh. not. I do. At least it's not papyrus. It yeah. may as well have been. Yeah. I was so <laughs> shocked. I was telling Caitlin and Aristotle upstairs and Sophie as well that I made sh- I had to stop and make sure I was watching the right movie. I'm like, "Oh, maybe this is like some weird like off-brand version of the hunger games but I'm like they had a 78 million dollar no, budget was, and the movie opens with six slides of helvetica it font. was literally the same font i was let's not worry about why but i was looking for a video of someone playing <laughs> through the it. fire and flames on expert mode on guitar Hero Three, <laughs> and i clicked on it and it was like i think i got rickrolled because then it was like a picture of a cat and then like font over it that was like thank you for coming to my channel (laughs) but it was that font it's like that is what's happening on hunger games it's a 13 year old please like and subscribe slide at the beginning i was shaken to my i feel like that is the most emotion i felt in the entire movie was how viscerally i responded to the helvetica font at the beginning and the end because the movie ends and then it fades out and says like directed by gary rouse and you're like the helvetica's bad like it's so (laughs) jarring yeah really bad the true villain of the movie yeah. True dystopia. Right. Yeah, like it's without making commentary. Like Helvetica will survive outlive us all, I guess in a way. The cockroach of font. The last I'll say about the font is like if you've got seventy eight million dollars, at least use a serif. Like yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Some yeah. kind of flair. Ugh, un- unreal. Anyways. I, I, so I hear you. So the, the content the of the <laughs> couldn't of even read it. The, the seven font. Hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> we learn that there are 12 districts of Pan Am, which sounds like an airline, and but it's it's the country that used to be the United States of America. And each district will offer up a male and female between the ages of 18, uh, 12 and 18 at a lottery selection ceremony type thing called the reaping. And the children who are selected... Uh, also called the tributes, are sent to the capital and then transferred to an arena where they will fight to the death 
in what is called the Hunger Games. Right, they're like, what if the Bachelor plus Survivor plus Apocalypse plus a so-so Elizabeth Banks performance? <laughs> this franchise answers that. Yes. Because the Hunger Games are televised as a like reality TV show for everyone to see. And everyone fights to the death until a single victor remains and i don't mean a person named victor of course this because that would not pass the Bechdel test one the, victor the per victor hunger games. games but will he be the victor <laughs> I think that'd be a great like i kept trying to i just got into the bachelorette which is my shame but i keep trying to i kept trying to like picture the contestants doing like talking heads because that's the only element of reality tv that they would shirk be for this hilarious. right it would be so fun if josh hutcherson were like yeah i'm kind of starting to catch feels for cat or if he's like if he's like um like re- so we see him you know he's sided with the bad guys and he's like so i might have been on the wrong side of history <laughs> oh it'd be so good oh, okay so we meet katniss everdeen that's jennifer lawrence's character she is from district 12 which is like a poor coal miner part of the of panem and Katniss is a skilled archer. She hunts for food for her and her family, which is her mother and sister, Prim, who she loves dearly and who is stressed out about this upcoming reaping. Can mm. I can I just say Prim's fine, but like I <laughs> I just don't see like from what I saw of Prim, mm-hmm. I would not have volunteered as tribute for her. <laughs> I would have just let her go. But I think you need to keep in mind that the person who was like, I couldn't possibly True. let her go was Katniss. Was Katniss. Who's right. possibly even, even more yeah. of a vacuum of yeah. personality. <laughs> yeah. True. Like Prim showed emotion. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so she had that true. going for her. That, that yeah, little. I, I thought that the actress who played Prim did a great job with being given not too much. Also, the, the, the name, I'm wondering like if Suzanne Collins had like if she's released any like insight into her naming conventions mm. because naming a little girl prim seems weirdly pointed and i don't know it's short for prim primrose mm-hmm. yeah, i think and that doesn't but do it's, much a, work it's a me. shortcut to get to prim though for sure yeah. yeah anyways so her best friend is gail that's liam hemsworth's character it's fleming it's <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I get it. Um, and the two of them talk about how fucked up the Hunger Games are and how they should just leave. Mm-hmm. And then Katniss and Prim go to the Reaping, and Effie Trinket is there. That's Elizabeth Banks' character. Oh, okay. Really quick. <laughs> what? Elizabeth, what could this I, possibly be? I like Elizabeth Banks. Mm-hmm. I do not like her in this part at all. I think she's doing a terrible Helena Bonham Carter impression. <laughs> oh. How many times did Helena Bonham Carter turn this part down? And then how many times did Parker Posey turn it down after before they arrived at letting Elizabeth Banks do a terrible impression of both of them? It bothers me. I don't like it. I see, so I was strong. I was fine on her performance. I thought she was like a seven out of ten performance wise. Wow. That's until high. you mentioned Helena Bottom Carter, and I was like, "Oh, that's so. Three. That's going. what it I'm is. Sorry. Three. <laughs> now it's three. She simply wasn't available because <laughs> Helena would have uh, killed it. That's like a role she it's was her. born to play. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that's her oh, wow. in in eighty wow, percent wow. of her film career. Yes, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. Anyway. They needed somebody who can actually play like out of it. 
Yeah, because right. her, her character is not that forever. Elizabeth Banks yeah. isn't isn't really a character actor in no. that way. She was trying something. She I appreciated be. the effort. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it did make me just wonder what if Parker Posey had gotten. She seems to be available. Mm. She mm. was doing Parker Posey's character from Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. Yeah, that exactly. is exactly what she was doing. <sighs> Elizabeth Banks, we see Let's you. Let's go be girls. <laughs> Oh, God. Great movie. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so Effie Trinket is from the Capitol. She, like, represents the Hunger Games, essentially. Or, like, she represents District 12 for is the... Is she a liaison? Uh, like, she, what is she? Yeah, she's, she's a liaison the, in some she way. She is the uh, District 12 Hunger Games, like reaping like representative she's by far the most dystopian looking of everyone besides stanley tucci she and stanley tucci are the only ones delivering looks quite that dystopian yeah and then you've got guy fieri beard and then everyone else kind of looks normal yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah and but except for like the non-speaking extras that will like occasionally who are like well yeah everyone in the capital but people who is yeah the speaking roles though right sure sure, yeah. sure. um anyways okay so for <laughs> we're at the reaping for the girls prim gets selected to participate in the games but katniss can't bear to see her little sister compete mm-hmm. so she volunteers as tribute and an iconic scene and, and then it, it goes like this i volunteer I volunteer as tribute. And then like and lots like, of shaky camera thank you. work, which <laughs> urgent, really yes. scary. Yeah. I actually, I liked this part. I thought this, I, I, I was a little bit moved by it. Sure. I like the parts with her and her family. I wish there was more of that and yeah. less PETA. <laughs> oh, PETA. Uh, Speaking of, PETA gets selected for <laughs> the boys. Mm-hmm. And that's Josh Hutcherson's character. So Katniss and PETA. Hutcherson? If you had asked I me, thought it was I would have bet $10 million it, it was Hutchinson. Yeah, did I say too. it wrong? I might have said no, it wrong. Didn't. No, it I think you're right. I think, I think it is Hutcherson. I feel like Jamie would definitely know since as a, she as had a, a sexual awakening. As a former stan, it is Josh Hutcherson, and that is how it's spelled oh, in Firehouse Dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they go and meet their mentor, Haymitch, which is Woody Harrelson. And and a, his $4 wig. <laughs> Feminist I... icon Woody Harrelson's wig. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Middle part, Doing four dollars, yeah, the most yeah. and least. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked Woody Harrelson in this movie. The wig was wild. I didn't <laughs> yeah. see. There's was... a lot of wigs in this movie, and it... this is. Also, it was they, like an anime cosplay wig. I don't know what was happening with it. It was very bad. It was like PC. Could not keep dry. They could, it was, why, like, just blow some wind on him. I don't understand why it was constantly wet and PC. It was so bad. I like that they're like, he's an alcoholic. Therefore, he has a dirty wig on all the time. I'm like, this leap of logic doesn't quite make sense. Right. But sure, visual language. Yeah. Meanwhile, the costume designer is like, look, I know it's kind of cliche, but I'm just going to go with the cheap wig because he's an alcoholic. <laughs> it's just like a shortcut of storytelling. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like the, the collar's undone and the wig's wet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every alcoholic I've ever known has a soaking wet wig and that's a, de- <laughs> it's a dead giveaway <laughs> that you need help. So he's a, a previous, like, victor of the games, which is why he's helping them. But he doesn't really have much interest in helping mm. him. The main thing that he tells Katniss is that she needs to be more likable so that she'll get sponsors who will send yikes. her stuff during the game to help more, her survive. Yikes, 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 yikes. Yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. Which at least is framed as a bad thing because you don't want to hear that from someone wearing a soaking wet wig. 
big. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like likable, yeah. really? Right. <laughs> For I, you? I appreciate this moment. <laughs> I appreciate that the movie went out of its way to frame this as like this is not the right thing to be saying yes. to this character. Yes. That's important. Yeah. 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 So then they get to the Capitol and Katniss meets Cinna. That's Lenny Kravitz. Oh. Hot. What a what an I didn't I didn't know the cast of this movie outside of Jennifer Lawrence and uh, oh, the Hutch. Josh Hutcherson and the yeah. Hutch. Hutch. Yeah. Um, I know that my like my best friend from high school Lois listens to the show and she went to Firehouse Dog with me and <laughs> she is losing her mind right now. I keep thinking um, it's like fire house dog that's what i keep thinking too because of the emphasis oh. of how you're saying it <laughs> house dog. i'm sorry i've been saying it for 13 years since it was released i just can't stop i have it on dvd it's the only dvd i own <laughs> anyways um, and i watch it every day i love it i don't have a dvd player but I, if i ever get one i'm ready mm-hmm. um there what were we even talking oh i just had no idea lenny kravitz was in this movie and what a pleasant surprise i know yeah. yeah. Something my boyfriend said was, how many steps did it take in the process to get to casting Lenny Kravitz? He's like, was he their pull. first choice? Yeah. No idea. Or... But I think he adds a je ne sais quoi. I he like does. him in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think casting Lenny Kravitz, a style icon, as a dystopian stylist rules. Yeah. I thought it was real fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked yes. that, too. And I liked his relationship with Katniss. Mm-hmm. Same. He's one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Him and the Tooch and everyone else. The Tooch. Don't really care. Anyway, so. <laughs> feminist um, icon Caitlin Durant, and then it's like uh, whatever the rest of the movie. Right. Um, so he's her stylist. There's a, a tribute parade that he makes her all fancy, and, and fi- I mean, speaking of firehouse dog, mm. it's more like firehouse. Were you freaking girl out when he was on fire with her? <laughs> on that fire. was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, "This is Josh Hutcherson Cannon, the, the boy on fire." Like, <laughs> they start calling her that weird song, yeah. "The Girl on Fire." Oh, <laughs> the Girl on Fire was that? That has that had to have come out after this movie after, came out, right? I Otherwise, think. you're oh, like, "What after. a weird yeah. reference that would have been." <laughs> really into it. Josh Hutcherson isn't even on the poster for Firehouse Dog. It's just a dog. That's so. <laughs> that's really sad. That's for so him. embarrassing. He's the yeah. star a of dog. the movie, and he's not on the poster. That's it's funny. <laughs> it's just okay. a dog in sunglasses. <laughs> so there's the parade. Stanley Tucci is Caesar Flickerman, but he's Stanley Tucci, and he's Far like wig. the commentator yes. of like oh, all things wig. Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet the game maker. There's President Snow, who is Donald mm-hmm. Sutherland, and fully he... expected you to say Snoke. Oh, Snoke. yeah, because oh. yeah. <laughs> I forgot because of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So they're all there. And then the tributes, they train a little bit. The tributes from District 1 and 2 are always, like, really, really good because they, like, go to, like, training camp and there it's a whole thing. There's, like, a whole class discussion we can have there. Um, and PETA is worried that he's going to die because he sucks at everything, except that he's strong and he can <laughs> throw like heavy throwing. objects so around. just like, John Hutcherson is not strong. How dare no. you try this movie? Why are you it, trying? It was crazy. It is so weird that they're like, he's so strong. I'm like, stop gaslighting no, me. I can, I I'm looking at him. And when she's like, you should throw that big ball and he like walks over to it i was like he holds it you're like his arm's gonna fall off (laughs) they don't show him throwing it because (laughs) but like they have that whole scene where Peta tells his story about how like 
He's like, no, like, even my own mother knows that, like, you're going to win, Katniss. And she goes, well, you're, like, really good at throwing flour. <laughs> She's like, so, I've seen you do it many oh, yeah. times. It's like a baker's son superpower that he has. Yeah. I, it's, he has two superpowers, both baking related. Yeah. Yes. Sarah, Cake I, decorating uh, and throwing flour. I'm like, does Suzanne Collins understand bakeries has she ever met a poor person i have a lot of questions based on her portrayal I, and i lo- i mean i love short men and i love when short men are cast in leading roles and sure. and it's like or shorter i don't know his exact height i think it's around five seven if i remember correctly from my Ooh. firehouse dog days mm. um, oh boy short uh, aka girl tall Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes. And but I like when a, when they don't Tom Cruise it, and the movie is like, no, he's shorter than her, yeah. and we're not going to call yeah, attention yeah, to I it. That. that said, he visibly could not be that strong. Well, it, so. I mean, he has some arms. He's got thick arms. He's got, arms. He's he's got muscle. Little, but like, his little t-shirt was like center tight balance. on his arm. No, I <laughs> wasn't going to support that. I was, I was very worried about the about the ball throwing. And you do notice too that they never they show a lot of cut twos the like flashbacks of like him <laughs> throwing a piece of bread at her. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I believe that Josh Hutcherson would have gotten too into CrossFit to get ready for this yeah. movie. He kind of has the resting <laughs> face of someone who is too into CrossFit. He does. Yeah. And CrossFit resting face. <laughs> he but he they never show him throwing those hundred pound bags of flour around. No. It's like listen, Jen's shooting the arrows. He, what throw is he the doing? iron yeah. ball yeah sir. so like at this we are maybe to believe that at the same time katniss is hunting that deer that gail totally fucks up yeah uh-huh. um he is somewhere just like lifting back <laughs> like in his version of the movie that's right. what's taking place <laughs> a lot of theories a lot of theories yeah. Yeah. all right we meet Rue. She is a younger kid from District 11, I think. Yes. I think it's 11. Uh, Katniss, she's impressing the judges with how good she is with the bow and arrow. She gets a score of 11 because they're like rating all the tributes and she gets the highest score. So Cause she's a bitch. Because she, <laughs> she throws an arrow at them. And every time Katniss gets a great score, Peta is extremely emasculated mm. and retaliates. And that's why he's the romantic lead of the movie. Whoops. <laughs> so it's the night before the Hunger Games and all the tributes do a TV interview. And Peta, during his interview, says that he is in love with someone who came to the games with him. I hate this. Yes. So much. We'll, we'll talk all about yeah. this. It's like when the people on The Bachelorette say they're in love with her on the first episode. I'm, I'm like, falling. you just want attention. <laughs> I think I'm like, you're not falling. falling for you. Stop. Or if you are, it's because they've given you too much liquor and not yeah. enough food. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Hunger Games of its own type. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know there was booze because Haymitch is drinking a lot of it. His, Very demonstrative. His, I mean, he's, he, there's enough to dip his wig in it. <laughs> oh, that's why. That's why it's wet. That's why. He's or it's from all the like, on it. Uh, like liquor sweats. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. Constant. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The liquor sweats. You know. So, we all know. <laughs> now it's time for the games. Let the games begin. <laughs> Both of you. And right away, like half of the tributes are killed. This is the part of the <laughs> so movie convenient. where everyone would have died. I was right. like, I would, as they were standing around, I was like trying to put myself in the position. I'm like, no, I think at this point I would have been like, well, I had a good run. It's always nice that like this will be on my IMDb page mm-hmm. and it might it'll kind of be like the crow. <laughs> and, yeah. and I had a good Yeah. 
So Katniss survives and runs into mm. the woods, and then she learns that Peta is alive too and pretending to be an ally to the District 1 and 2 people, and, and they are using him to try to find Katniss because they want to kill her. Right. She continues to survive. She escapes a fire. The bad guys find her. They chase her up a tree, and then she drops a wasp's nest on them, yes. um, which her Deus friend Rue... And her friend Rue had been the one to like alert her to the presence of the the nest. So Rue is her her ally. They're also LSD wasps. Yes. Which which, like Stanley Tucci kind of pops in sometimes Mm -hmm. like over the loudspeaker, like a vice principal and just like gives you exposition. He's like, by the way, there's LSD in the wasp. But you're like, right. Because he's the host of the reality show that everyone's watching from home. He's Jeff Cropsting it. He's like live narrating what is happening Mm -hmm. during the challenge. It's also kind of like he's doing the post show talk show while it is still happening. Yeah. Right. This is his. Like the talking, talking dead. Yeah. <laughs> the talking dead. <laughs> <laughs> the That's where that show got its name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Talking about who died. That's so horrible. <laughs> also, Toby Jones is there with him. Ba- oh, yeah. Barely. Oh right. Like, how he's do you like underutilize Toby Jones? Right. He's like the uh oh, yeah. he's the uh, He doesn't speak. But, like he Hardly. responds like two sentences maybe he's like blah 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 tracker jackers or whatever they're called and toby jones is on the left looking like a weird mozart and he's like "Mm -hmm." yeah he literally is just like you got that right that's it sounds like a good part i I would play the shit shit out of that part like you got that right yeah i would be like moving a lot (laughs) if that's your one line i would be really gesticulating (laughs) i got like two seconds on camera i'm gonna make it work listen i'm getting my sad card for this you're gonna see it yeah (laughs) okay so then katniss finally gets her hands on a bow and arrow and she and rue have like formed this alliance and they uh destroy the supplies that like all the bad guys from district one and two are hoarding shoot the fruit um, but then rue gets killed <laughs> yes and katniss cries there and then there this incites some riots in district 12 mm. or sorry 11. district 11 and an announcement is then made that they will crown two victors in the hunger games if they originate from the same district so then katniss goes and finds Peta, who has disguised himself as a the ground rock. rock. Yeah, it is so weird what I he just, looks like. Where did he get that stuff? I, I don't just, know. It, it happened to be in his pack. He had a, a cake decorating kit. <laughs> that was the moment that shook me like the second most after Helvetica Font was like she found him disguised as a rock and she's like, you know what? I think I am in love with him. You're like, in the next scene, she kisses him. I was I like, know. what? This is what? I know. Oh, no, no, what? no. He, Not that to was, kink shame. That was part of the act. Yeah. He, he wandered yeah. onto set of Nailed It and was just <laughs> yeah. like, I've got all the stuff. I'm going to paint my face. And they were like, actually, you did. You nailed it. You look like you a nailed rock. It. He you did nailed really it. look like a rock. He, he, <laughs> 10 out of 10 rock painting. He yeah. did look like... Are there mirrors in this? Like, how did he know? It's so it was What was painting so what? Also, he has like an infectious cut on his... Yes. Yeah, also, I laughed out loud when he's like hello <laughs> pops out you know rock. when your man's is disguised as a rock and has a critical wound <laughs> like he's unwell <laughs> he's, he's like am i winning <laughs> he 
at that point, I'm like, he should have, he should be dead. <laughs> he should not be alive. He's close, but yeah. she gets him to safety, and then they kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll talk Ew. all about this. Uh, <laughs> and then everyone's rooting why, for them to why? make it. So, and then they're like, okay, we're the only team left with just the, the two of us still alive from the same district. We can win this together. And then at this point, there's only one other tribute left, which is Cato. The from guy with District the flesh colored hair. Yes. Cato. <laughs> he... Oh, yeah. He looks like a thumb. Mm-hmm. They... OJ's <laughs> house guest. Yeah. They fight him. They kill him. And then just then, there's another announcement that says, just kidding, there can be only one winner. So PETA is like, Katniss, kill me. And she's like, no, let's both die. So they're about to eat these poisoned berries. And then the announcer comes back and is like, wait, 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 wait. Just stop. Don't do that. You both win. So they're announced to be the, the victors of the Hunger Games. Yeah. And then they go back to the Capitol. They have like post-show interviews and they have they to like pretend to be. They sort of make her dress be... up like Belle. Oh, yeah. You're just like, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Haymitch is like, bell. you pissed them off by like doing this whole double victory mm-hmm. thing. So now you have to pretend like you're really in love with PETA because everyone's just going to gobble that up. Right. So they do that. And then that's the end of the movie. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come right back to discuss. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, where to start? There's so much to to talk about with, with so, this film. I feel like, okay, so this movie is like often cited when people are talking about movies with strong female protagonists. Sure. Because mm. you do get to see, you know, a young woman who has a lot of agency. She has skills. The stakes are high. The series becomes about her being like a symbol for the revolution. Like it's a whole And it's thing. a female-led action franchise, which yes. is cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But there are some things that I wish wouldn't have happened. The romantic subplot in its entirety by any chance? Yes. That's the big thing. Hated it. Yeah. Hated it. For me, I was like, and I wonder how much of this was supposed to inspire like dread. Because for me, I was like, oh, no, she's like being told that she has to fake this relationship with this guy. I don't like that she kind of seemed to like him back. That was a thing. Toward the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I would have liked was for her to like not really know how much of it he's faking because he is more duplicitous than she thinks. Like he is, she has seen that he knows how to play the game. So I disagree. Oh, I don't think he is at all duplicitous. I think he was going to the other side purely to save her life. No, 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 not for that. Uh I mean, like, he knows how to play this game, so he is faking being in love with her. I mean, maybe he likes her, but I think, because we see from the next movies that he... He, like, fully is in love with her. I think mm. it's a little bit of both. Super. I think okay, it's... I think. So I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... No, he's, like, fully in love with her. But mm. also, I mean, I think you're right, too, in that, like, you see in that moment in the parade when they're on the chariots. Yeah. Like, he goes to surprise, not kiss, but grab, grab her, her hand. hand. Yeah, and she pulls away. <laughs> and she away. pulls away, and he's like, no, come on, they'll love it. And they do. And then, do. so she's like, okay. He's... So then they hold hands, and then people are like, we, we love it. I was a little confused about, like, the same debate of, mm-hmm. like, because at first it does seem like I was assuming that he was very calculated in the ways especially because of the whole like it felt like the first episode of The Bachelor where he goes on he doesn't Mm -hmm. tell her that he likes her he tells the entire world in this very performative way and Mm -hmm. I was like that seems calculated like that Mm -hmm. seems like you know something that just to like gain attention and goodwill but then they sort of try to spin it at later as if it were actually totally sincere and not calculated at all and I just I don't know like I don't hate that the tv show tries to push them together yeah. because i feel like there's some commentary there mm-hmm. of like the way yeah the- that's really like realistic yeah yeah. Like, yeah the way the tv show treats katniss i think is meant to be 
like commentary of like when she goes up for her first interview like Stanley Tucci makes sure she has to show off her outfit and like mm-hmm. she yeah. has to and and when Woody Harrelson advises her on what to do it's very like reality tv calculated so I'm like okay I'd like that works for me because there's commentary being made and we believe at the time that she doesn't care for this guy at all right so there's like some interesting tension but then I feel like they kind of throw it away by being like no they actually do like each other so right because she initiates the works. kiss when they're in yeah. the t- in the cave right so but then even then I was just like is she doing this because she knows because she knows they're TV? being on camera I don't know. know. Which would be smart. All of the above. That would be interesting. (laughs) My interpretation based on the book and the movie together. Because I think what it comes down to is it it not working in the movie is casting. They Mm. have no chemistry. They do not have chemistry. (laughs) Whatsoever. They do not. And neither of them have very many shades to their performance either. So when he is playing sincere in love with Katniss it reads exactly the same as when you are supposed to kind of wonder what his mm-hmm. motives are. Because you That's are supposed point, to wonder yeah. because she is wondering. Right. But then as the book goes on, it's like, no, he was 100% sincere. It is shitty how he announces it, which is not something I even thought about watching mm-hmm. the movie last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> shitty. No, yeah. like, And also, I think, I think deep down, maybe he does love her but he might be like one of those guys that's like doesn't understand to love someone truly is to love them how they want to be loved and rather he's just like this is how i express it and like that's why he announced it because i think partially he's doing it because he's like oh i feel love for her i should just say it and then like partially he's he knows the only thing he's got is knowing how to play the game because he from the beginning they get in there she's like sulking and he's like we should wave at them because like Right. You've got to get people to like you. That and was she- like an interesting moment for me at yeah. least because you're just like, oh, okay, this is like a – like I almost – like I wish that they – if if the tension were constantly from like them doubting like, oh, is this sincere? Exactly. Is this not? How do I actually feel about it? But it like – I don't know. Yeah. It, it Instead seems it's like just it's, muddy. It is yeah, muddy. It yeah. It is partially a performance yeah. thing. And then setting aside their like lack of chemistry, if we just take it like the events of the story at face value – what happens is that the more the movie progresses, the more this romantic storyline gets entangled into the main story, which is yes. their survival, yeah. which I feel is really unnecessary. Like they made a conscious choice because it's like, all right, this is a YA book. This is, you know, a movie franchise for largely like teen young adult mm-hmm. audiences. Mm-hmm. So we've got to wedge this not only a romantic storyline into here but it's a love triangle oh, storyline gotta be a triangle right. because, because gail helmsworth otherwise why <laughs> only do i care yeah <laughs> because Which... in this first movie and i wonder if the book makes this more clear or not i to- i can't totally remember but gail and katniss are framed as being best friends and there's no reason to assume that they have anything besides a platonic friendship apart from being very attractive a- right. Apart from both being near each other and both hot, yes. <laughs> but but then when you when Gale is watching the Hunger Games from his TV uh, or wherever at it's the bar projected, in, like at a bar at, yeah, the, at the Hunger bar, Games bar, yeah. <laughs> um, he's seeing Katniss and Peta kiss on TV, and he's like visibly upset. Very so we're upset. supposed to understand, like, oh no, he's also in love with Katniss because mm-hmm. in a YA novel and movie 
sure, a woman gets to be the main character sometimes, but if she is, she's got to have not one, but two boys who Mm -hmm. love her. Which is like, both adds nothing to, well, I mean, it's, I feel like it's supposed to add stuff to the story, but there's just multiple elements of this movie. And I think this is like the most sinister one. Also introducing daddy issues 90 minutes into the movie, I also found to be very (laughs) unnecessary. I forgot that that was part of it. I don't remember. She's like hallucinating after getting bitten oh, by the yeah, jackers. The stuff with the mom and the dad being dead and stuff. Right. Yes. I feel like yeah. it's like there's too many crutches involving male characters when it's like, this movie does not want for stakes. The stakes are high enough yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. And like adding in this like love story that doesn't work really and then throwing in some daddy issues on top of it. It's like, we are like Katniss is already in trouble and the daddy stuff doesn't really pay off at all except in like a passing comment to her mom and I don't know like there was just most of the like adding a problem on top of a problem that was already life or death it's like it's just like this is just not necessary right? it's, also, like, it's also interesting in how they show like they introduce these like daddy issues is because what it actually comes down to is it becomes an issue she has with her mom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she doesn't think about her dad that much what happened is her dad died and the mom shut down emotionally and mm-hmm. she had to take care of herself and she mm-hmm. had to take care of prim so it's actually a mommy issue mm-hmm. but it doesn't really right. present that way it's weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it kind of glorifies, like, the the way mothers are presented in this movie are, is, I mean, it's very limited, mm-hmm. but I feel like it is telling where it seems like we're supposed to assume because PETA has a bad, possibly abusive relationship with his mom, that that's why he treats Katniss like shit at first, which is mm. kind of like a one-to-one that I was like, that should, if, if you're going to do that, then you have to explore it. You can't just be like, that's why he's shitty yeah. to women. So well, you can like him. I, th- I thought he was like shitty to her because he was embarrassed about being like bonked on the head with a rolling pin. What? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what happened, but he got bonked or whatever. <laughs> and I think he just was just in a shitty place and like right. didn't. I don't want to keep yeah. being the in the book yeah. <laughs> no, person, no, no, no. but. Again, this is another weakness of the movie. So it's like, on the one hand, it seems like a really good adaptation. And on the other hand, it totally doesn't convey at all what the book version of this was, mm-hmm. which is that he was like really putting himself on the line by throwing her that way. You're not supposed to give food to other people in the Hunger Games, right? In those worlds? I mean, everyone's I, it like, hungry. It, yeah. It was like, <laughs> yeah. he, he was, yeah. Everyone's brave. so hungry, and yeah. so it's hard. To so be what hungry. was he doing? You're so you're allowed so to what throw was, bread at pigs, but not at people. It was like that bread was to feed their pigs that they need to survive. I think right, oh. and then so he's like really risking a beating by even throwing her some bread, and she remembers this. So when he steps up on stage, at least in the book, she's like. It's kind of the sense, maybe I'm remembering this wrong. That would be amazing if I'm remembering this wrong. <laughs> but but when he steps up on stage, she's like, oh, no, the only other person who's been nice to me my whole life. Like, I don't oh, want it to be him. It does not read he, like that in the movie. He, like, was, no. he like gave me bread once. Oh, I read it as she was like, ugh, you threw bread at me. No, like, she's like you... sad that it's PETA. I did not see that in the movie. In yeah. the movie, it seemed like she was like, you threw bread at me. You think you're better than me. And like, you saw me at my like worst when I was like hungry and leaning on a tree. 
in the rain. Also, she does not seem bad off. It seems no. like she was like, yeah, I was just like having a nice day out in the rain. Those <laughs> those flashbacks are badly done. Very bad. Yeah, and <laughs> confusing. Like it's right. like none of us. I feel like we all had different takeaways from them. I just I'm so disinterested in their romantic connection that I like honestly wasn't well, even paying so, that close attention so is katniss like yeah. she isn't she's busy interested in him yeah. she's got no, other she is not, yeah. fish to fry like not dying <laughs> she's too hungry to be in love also this is what i think about a lot in these types of like love triangles stories where it's like okay you've got her best friend gail is apparently in love with her um this guy Peta is apparently in love with her but like what if katniss was a lesbian yeah like Cause she could have just been like, sorry guys. Yeah. It's like, she's not cause of heteronormativity in media, but like, where's the story where she's just like, that character. <laughs> I, like I would like Katniss so not much better dudes. if yeah. she was queer, but yeah. it's, it's just ugh, the, like all the romantic stuff. I feel like it's just really overdone and like not necessary. And I would love for the movie to have been 15 minutes shorter um so if they and so they could just cut it out i'd be fine with it i (laughs) agree now as an adult but if i was reading this then i'd like all i wanted at 13 was for two boys to be in love with me at the same time it would be like oh my god dream dream come true (laughs) and so if i was reading this books i'd be like yes two boys are in love with her (laughs) and i am her yeah maybe that's why she's so boring because we talk about this sometimes where there will be a boring i mean this is not this can be applied to any gender but there will be like a boring main character especially in like ya and teen Mm -hmm. fiction where it allows you know the young person who's reading it or consuming it in whatever way to plug themselves into that character yeah that's for sure what she is yeah But like, yeah, which is, you know, and you don't, I guess maybe that was why I was a little thrown by it because normally they're not female protagonists that get this boring plug-in treatment because it's usually like you're getting a Harry Potter or you're getting a Neo or you're getting just like a bland dude. But I guess, yeah, just kidding. This is (laughs) progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Take it all back. The pendulum has to swing. I like I like romance both as a genre and as like a thing in other movies. And I like a love triangle. I did not like this one because I think it was poorly done. Like there weren't any seeds that the best friend and her were like a thing. And so when he was like, oh, I can't watch you in the bar. I was like, what? (laughs) Right. Why? I was like, oh, you like her? Like, okay. It's confusing. Um, I think that's Peter, another thing where it's like, oh, I, I guess deep down I just like always assumed we'd end up together. Which is like, ew. Like, right. Ew. Yeah, like that's like, what? You guys don't even seem to like each other. Seriously. Until you dr- cosplayed as a rock and then yeah. all of a sudden she's in love <laughs> with you. Seriously, when he does that cosplay as a rock and she's like, <laughs> Oh my god! Like, let me drag you into this cave, and like, <laughs> and he's so... like, "Oh, I have to paint myself as this cave now." And she's like, "Put it down." She's like, "Relax <laughs> for once. Like, just be Peta. You're, you're delusional. I'm just Katniss, I'm and you're just Peta." Can you imagine how many Instagram followers Peta would have had though if he could have just painted Seriously? himself like various surfaces? Like, so he so would have been so insanely many. popular. So many sponsors. Yeah. So oh, many parachutes. Easily. He would have got. Yeah, he would have been an influencer um that's uh we've got to go to another break uh but to to wrap up on the relationship uh i guess it makes sense in a ya thing i think it could have been more thoughtfully adapted and i think it's also like like because the love triangle or just like a romantic storyline is so pervasive in ya fiction it's just like can we have one where there's not and i'm sure there are and you know this it's been several years over a decade since these books were published so i'm sure i haven't read what much YA fiction since then but 
It's just like, can't we just have a story about like a badass young woman like doing cool stuff mm-hmm. and I'm, not kissing boys? I'm, I'm mostly compelled by like Peanut and Katniss's relationship as like them faking a mm-hmm. relationship like to please the masses and then actually either not liking each other or like working together and realizing like we have to fake this for reality tv and then we then we're full fucking burn the world down and then it turns into like, the I americans that that, that's what it is that's <laughs> what I think it that, is like exploring that like expectation of YA fiction and faking it and having the reader know that. Like, I think that that's would a be cool. Bet, really much cool. better story. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And yeah. the stakes are very high because each of them could be holding that kind of as like both a carrot and stick as like, Cause you better be- do what I need you to do because otherwise I could just tell everyone that like we don't like right. each other. Or yeah. if like they, the powers that be find out yes. that they're faking it, then they'll, you know, right. yes. like, be mad. They'll be mad. <laughs> they'll we be have, so mad. <laughs> we have punch ups, yeah. Suzanne. Uh, and with that, we're we're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. 
if you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, I, I think this might be a good transition into there's been a lot of discussion surrounding race in this movie yes. um, and as always we want to open everything up to our listeners who may have info and insights that we don't but there were two main subjects that I found in the coverage of in 2012 when this movie was coming out there mm-hmm. was it's very uh, upsetting yeah, there, the first thing was Katniss as being a whitewashed role by Jennifer Lawrence having been cast. Mm. Um, fans of the book, I mean, it's this is a little trickier to discuss, but but it does seem like to an extent there is something to that because mm-hmm. in the books, um, she's described as having olive skin and straight black hair, which leaves it to mm. open to interpretation. Sure. sure. But uh, Jennifer Lawrence is not. She does not have olive skin, nor does she have straight black hair. No. And whatever mm. whatever race Suzanne Collins was trying to imply, it doesn't seem like was a, was reflected in the casting mm-hmm. at all, which was sort of a discussion around then, but it, it didn't seem to, for fans at this time, disqualify time. her. I know it's so weird. It was it's seven di- years ago. Twenty twelve was a different time. People barely <laughs> yeah, gave before a fuck. Ghost in the Shell. So that's <laughs> so that's worth that's worth discussing, and also the fact that Suzanne Collins uh, didn't overrule it because she was very integral in the making of this mm. movie, and she had the power. Right. To... She's one of the producers. She's right. one of the writers mm-hmm. of the scripts. I can imagine because it's not like she was coming off of another very successful franchise. I can imagine a situation in which she fought for that. And just could not was overruled. Get them to budge on it. I could. I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and it seems like they were. This was like a very hot time for uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think she was like coming off of Winter's Bone. She was. So, she had yeah. just come off of that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was coming off of like it makes sense that this would be the time to cast her in a huge franchise, but that was a subject of discussion, and it seems like um, some fans were were pretty upset yeah. that she had been cast because that happens all the time. And then the other main subject of discussion that I think has changed quite a bit since the movie came out is the discussion around the black characters in the movie, particularly Rue. Rue. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of, to the point where there is an in-depth New Yorker essay written about it. I read it. Yes. (laughs) uh, About fan backlash when uh, black actors were cast as these parts that it is worth saying they were written as black characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, was wild. It was, watching that happen, I wasn't. I wasn't it's aware like, of you this. guys. Yeah, I, I remember. Just this. like actually, like just very dumb. Yeah. So I you're reading this book and you're like, time. this character is white. Yeah. yeah, right. But yeah, so basically, there was a bunch of racist shitheads on mostly Twitter, I think, but kind of just where they across mm-hmm. where they thrive, being so upset that rue was black i remember this and yeah so the the article that we referenced um from the new yorker is called white until proven black imagining race in hunger games by anna holmes um at least that's the one i read i don't know okay yeah 
So check that out because um, it, it provides some good insight about that. Yeah, but... it gives, I mean, it gives like the full like scope of fan, like someone who scouted out like all the racist tweets made around it. There were, um, let me, let me read one directly just to give you the idea of what uh, it was like. I mean, basically it was just tweets that said First of all, that they were surprised that uh, they had cast a black actress to play Rue, R- and second, that they felt less bad when a black woman was killed than if a white woman was mm-hmm. killed. So just a lot of really hideous biases that have absolutely everything to do with the person making the comment, because if they, you know, and, it, and I think it's a lot of toxic fandom stuff of like, oh, it should have stuck to the book, but it's like, well, then you didn't read the book because right. it was always written as a mm-hmm. black character. And, so and it's it, nuts that it would be like, you read the book and Katniss is like, not white question mark mm-hmm. yeah right. and everybody's like how dare you and then you cast a very obviously black character to be a black actress and people were like oh she's not white and it's really i read is white and then it's also really interesting to look at it in the lens of today which like i had actually forgotten about that whole controversy with the the casting of the character rue mm-hmm. and when i was watching it just with the the lens of 2019 i was like man just as a whole it does kind of suck that like a character of color helps this white protagonist and like points out all the things that she should do to survive she mm-hmm. points out the the, the nest. wasp and she puts like medicinal leaves yeah. on her like wasp bites yeah and then dies and then the white character survives yes. two two white characters right. survive which is not by any means malicious it's not anything like that it just reveals an implicit bias that like people don't know they have which is like oh yeah. well what's wrong with that they were it shows that the the black character was smarter and it's like yeah but, but the winner to, to have the only girl who's a person of color in the entire yeah. movie be killed yeah is... i mean she's really only involved in the movie in a meaningful way for maybe 20 minutes and through the le- like the lens of how does it affect our main character Right. Right. Which yeah. I know this is not an ensemble film <laughs> and that literally everyone dies except for two people. <laughs> right. But it's still there is still, I think, that kind it's of not a good look. It's well, just yeah, it's kind of I mean stinks. the cast <laughs> is still predominantly white when you consider Elizabeth Banks, Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. Oh for sure. Uh, Stanley Tucci, like the game maker, the president snow, like m- most of the people are white with the exception of Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. and some extras you see who live in District 11, which is apparently right. the only place where black people black. live. Yeah. It's so busy. I mean, it's, and again, it seems like that is a, ho- I mean, not seems like it obviously is a Hollywood problem, but from what I could find about the book series is that the books were written to be far more diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like implied that they're like, most people are mixed race at this point so far in the mm-hmm. future, which they would be. Yes. Right. It <laughs> makes sense. And, but it's still cast as like an ex- extreme, extremely white cast yeah and if they hadn't done that rue's death would not have been so rubbed us the wrong yeah, way exactly right but also we can all agree that the relationship between rue and katniss is very compelling it's very whereas cute. she has it. like no chemistry with anyone else yeah. Yeah. The, my favorite barely her sister 
the the <laughs> actress who plays Rue, Amanda Stenberg. I think I'm saying that right. I'm mm. not totally sure. Yeah, Amanda Stenberg. I, I have I have some cool quotes from her reflecting <laughs> on this role. But um, my favorite example of like how that is the most compelling relationship in the movie is that Amanda Stenberg and Jennifer Lawrence won the Teen Choice Award for Best Chemistry that year. Awesome. <laughs> <That's tight. laughs> Just like fuck Josh uh, Hutcherson. Yeah. <laughs> like apparently. All the teens felt that way. Yeah. So just a few words from uh, Amanda Stenberg, mm-hmm. who, um, if you're, if you, I, I wasn't following her social media or her like activism very closely before I stumbled across this, but she, um, and she's also non-binary. She goes by she, her, and they, them, oh, cool. uh, but predominantly she, her came out in 2016 like she's just she's a really really cool (laughs) she's really cool and so she did this interview last year when she was promoting a movie that I don't think was super well received but it was called The Darkest Minds and it was a sci-fi movie that she was the lead of so she was reflecting on The Hunger Games and some of her thoughts Quote, it does feel really special to have begun my career with The Hunger Games and to be in a place now where I can be cast in the lead of this sort of thing. I don't know that that would have been possible at the same time in the same way, she continued, noting that it's only recently that Hollywood and audiences alike have begun to see the effects of big pushes for on-screen diversity. And then she comments on how she viewed the racist backlash against her character, because she's only like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. When she's so movie. little to have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, She reflects on it now and says, uh, quote, there was resistance to having black girls in films and that black women are dehumanized and their lives are seen as less valuable than white lives. Uh, This is from a BuzzFeed interview, by the way. She she remembers that one of the main complaints was that Rue's death became less sad to some viewers when they saw her as a black girl. Quote, while it was hurtful when I was 12, it wasn't shocking. The irony of the whole situation was that Rue was one of the only characters I could find in the content I loved that was literally written as black. So that is that is her thoughts. She's really cool. She is like also a major. She speaks out about colorism in Hollywood mm-hmm. a lot. She turned down a role in Black Panther because she felt that the role should have gone to a darker skinned actor. She's just oh. tight. She's really cool. So check her out and support all of her stuff. Amazing. Also, speaking of non-binary, it made me wonder because, like, yes. they say, like, a a girl yeah. and a boy yeah. is selected from each district. And it's like, okay, does that mean, like, non-binary, genderqueer, and, like, intersex <laughs> people are off no. the hook? I was going to say, I'm like, maybe this could be spun as good. Yeah. <laughs> you silly goose. Absolutely but, not. <laughs> but, yeah, just to, to, to wrap up on the conversation about race, like, there's black people in District 11, there's some black people in the Capitol, but, like, in Pan Am, there are no Asian people. Yeah, there I are no shot. like Latinx yeah. people. Yeah. I think there might be one, maybe two Asian tributes, but the movie could not care less about those characters. Yeah. Like they die immediately. Like it's just such a weirdly predominantly white cast for a movie that takes place in a world where people would be much browner. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, perhaps I can provide some perspective uh, having been alive in 2012. Like what the world was like then is like, we just didn't know. Mm. Like we were raised a certain way Mm -hmm. with certain ideas about Mm -hmm. race and gender. Mm -hmm. So like you guys might not understand, but in 2012, it just was different. It was different. We're all six years old. Yeah. (laughs) We don't know. So 
just keep that in mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a very long time ago also this this director i mean i don't know how involved gary ross was in the creative writing decisions of this movie but um you know he doesn't have a great track record on race he's also directed pleasant pills so oh yeah there you go Whoopsies. Oh. Um, so much diversity I know. <laughs> black and white uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah Literally that movie was black, black and, and white, white so <laughs> mm-hmm. i take it back <laughs> and then it had a lot of color at the end mm-hmm. <laughs> one of our most beloved episodes yes. <laughs> anyway so um there was like a scene where Katniss is trying to impress the judges. It's mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's like mostly older white men mm-hmm. who are like observing and like no one's paying attention to her at this point. So she like has to do this like drastic thing where she like fires the arrow like right near them. And it just reminded me of an all too familiar situation where women are not taken as seriously mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. other people namely straight white men mm-hmm. and she has to like work much harder to like garner the same respect that someone like the Cato character just like comes with that privilege of like being respected immediately mm-hmm. i feel like that at least is one of the things that was effectively commented on in mm-hmm. the movie at least yeah i think so there's a couple other things that i um enjoyed too about the movie where this is a rare occurrence, but you get to see a woman using real weapons when the situation warrants it. Because we talk all the time about how in movies, uh, if a woman has to fight, she's given a frying pan to bonk on a guy's head. <laughs> just, le- just lady things. La- just like lady kitchen weapons. appliances mm-hmm. and, you know, really? stuff like Rolling that. Yeah, oh, this is a, a pervasive trope. Yikes. Um, so the fact that she, nice. we see, I mean, we see her. Lots woman. of weapons. <laughs> Lots of weapons in this. Yes. And, and she makes them herself. She makes some herself. Mm-hmm. She's got a knife. She's got a bow and arrow. We get to see a woman do things that we rarely get to see a woman do in movies, which is stuff like hunt, use tools, mm-hmm. climb trees. Wrap uh, wrap a little rope around your legs while you, so you can sleep, sleep on a tree. Yeah, Be better than her male counterpart at all of those oh things. My right. and Except for cake decorating. Well, he, across the- he's given a traditionally what I would say is a feminine yeah. skill, which is like cake Are decorating. <laughs> yeah. And really, yeah, like cooking and really elaborate makeup. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, being weaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. And being shrill. Honestly, I find Peter <laughs> so to be shrill. shrill. He was shrill. He was also, I just wish he would calm thing. down. Yeah, no, he was hysterical. Emotional, emotional. He's hysterical the entire time. He did movie. mention his hair at the top of the show. He also suffers from a wet hair issue. Yes. Oh. Very bad wet hair. Oh, oh yeah. bad hair. Bad, bad hair. hair. Peter. Sometimes, bad. sometimes I wonder. I'm just like, maybe it's just that Jennifer Lawrence has perfect hair because mm. that's how that's she where all has the hair budget frank. went. Right. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, her wigs were too good and yeah. then everyone well, else's wigs that... suffer. I mean, but like female protagonists need to look clean. All right. She she barely looks her I mean, there is a makeover scene too cute I, I, in I, District 12. Oh, I was I know, like I would wear like blue Wendy blue dress. Yeah, her, her kicky boots, oh, her, her kicky little leather, leather jacket. jacket. Her leather jacket that she got from H&M. What was that? Yeah. 
It was very, <gasps> I was yeah. Like, why is it I liked so the jacket. It was it's cute. too cute. I have almost all of those articles of clothing I considered <laughs> exactly. like showing up and cosplaying oh, as cat. Wait, you do have that jacket. I, I was like, I was like I've seen that jacket. Yeah, I've got you it. I've got that boots jacket. that are similar. I've got the, the jeans. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway. So Honestly, I didn't buy that they were poor. Her it's clothes were cute. Exactly. I like, was like, I, just, I do not feel sorry for her. No. No. Where is she shopping? I know. Caitlin, then, you, you just mentioned the uh, makeover. That yes. was one of the things I actually did like. Uh, mm. Because I feel like, again, the movie frames the makeover as unnecessary and wrong. Yes. Uh, I feel like there was commentary there. Right. Because, there, again, there's like this whole ongoing theme throughout the movie where everyone's telling her, Katniss, you need to be more likable. Oh, by Peta saying that he has a crush on you, that makes you seem desirable, mm-hmm, which is good. Mm-hmm. I feel like the movie maybe could have done a little bit more to suggest that that was a bad stance to take. But I think it, yeah. I would say it does enough. But I think that maybe for like younger viewers, it was perhaps too subtle for like pre-teens yes, to maybe pick up on that. 100%. Yeah, but so it could all have been the author's intent maybe to comment on like she is great at what she does she isn't like likable but she can win these games on her own but the only way she's going to get outside help is if she seems like softened Mm -hmm. by somebody being in love with her Mm -hmm. right like I think that that like that was parts of the movie that I I totally agree now that you mentioned it that it was if I was like 13 seeing this movie would I have picked up on that yeah, I don't think I would have. Oh, God. Absolutely. I barely <laughs> picked up on it yesterday. Right. Well, and I, I, you guys thing. have provided a lot of insight. <laughs> well, like at the end, too, what I really liked at the end, at least for me as an adult woman, was how scary the end was because like it was very like uh oh girl what'd you get yourself into she's trapped and when mm. he grabs her hand and pulls it up like that and like the weird fakey like interview part where she's like I just you know I couldn't imagine my yeah. life without like, him like I think me now I'm like dang okay that's like I get it also commentary but yeah. as a 13 year old I would have been like uh huh uh huh like, wow, God, they're so like, in love. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like idiot. I wouldn't have picked up on like the whole like aesthetic thing, like and how she's made to be cute, and how mm-hmm. and how Stanley Tucci's like, show us your dress. I would have been like, wow, awesome dress. Like, I, it, it mm. wasn't clear enough. You're right that yeah. like, yeah, doing that, even though it's like as an adult that watches movies exclusively this way, I picked up on it. <laughs> right, but that's you know, yeah, that's we're watching it fair. through the lens that we've trained ourselves to watch. We're it looking for it. Also, does Stanley Tucci play the same character in this movie as he does in The Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Question. Yeah. Answer. Yes. Answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, a thousand times. Yes, I love the Tooch, but I do think that Alan Cumming could have played this just as well, and that Alfred Molina could have played it just as well. Alfred Molina, interesting. Interesting. Alfred Molina is our best friend. Same bias. I mean, he's great, but I just wouldn't have gone there first. And it's a real crime that I wouldn't. A lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, really good. A lot of people make the mistake of not going to Alfred Molina first. He's available to do podcasts. So he can be in your movie. I am really growing as a person <laughs> just talking to you guys. Uh, right you're now. welcome. It's amazing. <laughs> That's the true mission of this podcast is to get Alfred Molina cast in more roles. 
just to go uh, back to the the weapons discussion very quickly. Yes. Um, according to a study from the Gina Davis Institute. Ever heard of her? Uh, which does a lot of great work. Fellow um, Mensa member Gina yes. Davis. And <laughs> Olympic archer, which is what this is about. Oh, wow. um, oh I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, they condu- the Institute conducted a study that concluded that seven in ten girls who had taken up archery say that Katniss from The Hunger Games and Princess Merida from Pixar's Brave influenced their decision to take up archery. That's yeah. great. Of That's cool. And it makes show. perfect sense. I buy it because I want to do it too. Right. I mean, <laughs> and it, it, it shows something that we talk about a lot, which is that representation matters. And this study is specifically about archery, but similar studies have been done about like showing women in computer science and other like STEM mm-hmm. fields. And showing those women in those roles in media and not influencing girls and young women to pursue careers in those fields right. and stuff like that. You so just need, I mean, the more you're represented or the more a specific thing is represented, the more people, especially young people, will think, oh, I can do that, too. Female ghost yeah. busting has gone up 900 percent since 2016. <laughs> um, no, but that totally I mean, and that's why we're always like pushing for more movies about like women who are also athletes and, and stuff yes. like that, because it does it does make a difference. I think that one of the strengths of this movie is that so it is based on source material from a female author who also was allowed to adapt her own work for the screen. There's mm-hmm. three credited writers, Suzanne Collins, Gary Ross, and a man bafflingly named Billy Ray. Mm. No Cyrus. No Cyrus. Cyrus is not. Um, Why would you not have a Cyrus on the end? Yeah, it's like, finish the sentence, yeah. sir. There. Don't leave me hanging. Um, who, I mean, and but it seems as if, because they're both prolific screenwriters, that they, they probably had more of a role in just helping uh, Suzanne Collins adapt. But she also has a history of, she was a TV writer. She wrote for Clarissa what? Explains It All. Oh. Um, and, a, and a number of other, and The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. Oh my God, uh, so many female. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it is, and it is cool of like, I, I feel like it's not very common that, especially when there's like, I think that this movie definitely benefited from her adapting it. Like God knows what would have happened if three men had adapted this work oh, for real. and how they would have made her too sexy and like it would have grossy which is another thing that i want to be real grossy <laughs> josie grossy and there's also a uh, legendary female producer involved uh in this nina jacobson who was one of the only women to head a hollywood film studio ever hmm. um so it seems like there were like women in power who were steering this movie in the right direction and then the last thing i wanted to mention was although there is a male cinematographer and a male director i felt like the way that jennifer lawrence who is very often objectified and mm-hmm. uh in movies like her body is not made a feast of in this movie <laughs> yeah that, not for a moment yeah, yeah. so Props to to movie for not you know just making it about right. her body. Most of the time she's in full, like I mean protection. we talked about mother exclamation point oh and how that you're oh. just like keep Truly us out of movie. your relationship, Aronofsky. <laughs> I don't want anything to do but, with. But yeah, I mean mo- instead it's just like a million like very very tight close up shots of her face and yeah brain. yeah so oh yeah her braids and her um, braids and her braids yeah and her many braids. Uh, um, I would just like to throw out there real quick that the album that came out that is not the soundtrack, but it's Hunger Games songs from District 12, which are just like a lot of like 
kind of dark blue grassy and it's all that it's oh, just one it's album just that, that it's just over. that over and over <laughs> it's really good <laughs> that's so weird <laughs> no there's this whole album where it's just like inspired by oh that's cool well, and it's really good like cool. arcade fires on there nico oh. case is on there oh wow well district Check 12 movie. must be it's like coleman and country so yeah, it's exactly. like appalachia which mm-hmm. is like where i grew up oh, brag damn nice <laughs> Hashtag um, proud brag. <laughs> proud Appalachia. Just like a, a quick fire list of, of last thoughts I had. Hamish calls Kat- Katniss sweetheart no less than like six times in the movie. Very annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is not a feminist icon. And I don't think he's framed as one. No, no, no. no yeah. He's supposed to be obnoxious. Um, yeah. Shout out to the, I don't know if we ever learned her name or what district she's from, but the girl the with red girl. hair. Oh, double bun. Double bun. Yes. <laughs> That's her character yes. name. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Who makes it almost all the way to the I very know. end. Loved her. And she's like w- w- another type who like doesn't want to kill anyone, but mm-hmm. she's, she's just trying just... to outlast. And that's another thing I wanted to say is that like I was kind of worried that because female characters are so often presented in movies as like having to be this like polite, nice, never would do anything wrong because women are high held to a higher standard than men of like just being perfect and polite all the time that like Katniss wouldn't kill anybody that she would or just like maybe passively kill someone but she like oh she kills a few different people I was like does does yeah does PETA kill anyone I'm like PETA does not kill anyone I don't think is too busy painting (laughs) he can't he is decorating to be fair he is he it took him six hours to paint himself like a rock (laughs) like he should have realistically he should have been killed in the time it took for him to paint the only reason he got stabbed was because he wouldn't like stop painting himself as a rock when somebody attacked him no it was no he so he was fully painted as a rock and that guy was like running and tripped and fell it's like oh yeah. but he's like <laughs> he's like keep it together got me again rocks don't feel pain <laughs> and then rocks two, two last things real quick um on the train to the capital Haymitch asks Katniss if she will pass the marmalade so Haymitch oh. is basically Paddington no. second Yummy. I mean but I mean, mean Paddington I know Paddington is a million oh, times Paddington better there but icon. so let me rephrase um feminist Haymitch? icon <laughs> Paddington Bear <laughs> I mean you're said. not wrong no, he is said. a feminist no. icon Haymitch is trying to emulate Paddington in this scene but he mm. does not succeed because Haymitch sucks and Paddington would give him a hard stare and Second, Paddington would never wear that wig Paddington no. or be drunk pa- Paddington There's wears two. raincoats I was gonna not say getting he's always wet. prepared to be <laughs> wet though <laughs> really he should have been in the Hunger Games he would have won he would have died yeah, immediately almost instantly <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> finally, there is a cat that belongs to, I think, Prim that hisses at Katniss at the very beginning. Just reminder that cats do have eight nipples, and that's yes. cat and with Katniss. Caitlin. I actually Katniss cat hiss. Wow. I kept, I was Good on point. How <laughs> many nipples does a Katniss have? I was on the phone with my boyfriend, and I accidentally called her Cat Call Everdeen three times. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, Cat Call," and he was like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Any other final thoughts? Mm. That's all I got. All right, let's. Yeah. Uh, does the movie pass the Bechdel test? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, doesn't it never not pass the Bechdel test? I mean, when women are talking, it's 
rarely about a man. It's is about it trying to ever? stay alive. Yeah, it's right. about like being hungry, <laughs> what they should do if Kenneth dies. Right. Yeah. Well, how they should not be hungry. Dystopia is going to be doing a lot for the Bechdel test. We yes. just will not have time. Yeah. Uh, to talk about men. Yeah. To talk about survival. Like, does like, it happen even once? That they, that it does not pass. That yeah. like two women talk about men. Yeah, I feel like maybe the dad comes Peta up. Gets once. brought up. Yeah, dad. Uh, yeah, gets like brought up. Times. What's her name? Elizabeth Banks. I think is maybe it, talking to her about the Peta fakery. So, something. something. But, but, but most but, of the time, between like Katniss and Prim, Katniss and her mom, Katniss and, and Effie, Rue. and and Rue, it's passing. I'd say ninety nine point nine percent pass yeah. it. Like is always passing which yeah. is which is very impressive for a movie this popular to like more often than not be passing the mm-hmm. test. for sure yay movie hurrah let's rate the movie on our nipple scale zero to five nipples based on its uh, representation and treatment of women mm. i'm gonna go with uh i suppose a three because on one hand it's like okay great you got this like kick-ass young woman who the young people who this franchise is for can like plug themselves into and, and see an, an awesome kick-ass strong female protagonist represented on screen it really bugs me about the love triangle and the romantic relationship that feels very wedged in and unnecessary the failure to be more inclusive when it comes to race and the casting choices stuff like that but it is cool that she gets to you know use a weapon to kill people with and not a frying pan so yeah points for that Mm. um i'll give one nipple to rue i'll give one nipple to the tooch Mm. and (laughs) i'll give my last nipple to two buns the girl with red hair who mm. survives almost the entire yeah. time oh, yes two buns. clever buns gone too soon <laughs> clever buns, I, clever buns. I would watch a cartoon clever called clever buns, clever buns. Clever buns. <laughs> Ooh, clever buns. Uh, i'll go 3.5 on this one mm. i liked it i liked that just like in general i enjoyed the movie way more than i was expecting to and like i had a lot of fun watching it for the most part and yeah, I mean, I, I think that there this movie makes some pretty uh, egregious errors in regards to how race is depicted when it seems like the source material was there for that to not happen. Um, so don't like that. I like Katniss's character. I feel like she checks a lot of boxes, even though I found her to be boring personally. <laughs> uh, I guess you know, the thing I'm really de- deducting nipples for, if we're getting into the, the weeds on it, is... I just like I wish that Rue was not sacrificed to give Katniss more which again I think is sort of like if she were not the only woman of color that would be a less egregious mm-hmm. thing but right. because of the way it's presented it's just like it just seems like you're sacrificing one of your only black characters to reinforce the white woman's mission which is like I don't yeah. love that uh and and just kind of what we were all talking about with I feel like there was a lot of stuff that we picked up on in this movie that the intended audience might not necessarily pick up on. Right. So hitting, I mean, in YA movies, you got you got to really kind of hit the points rather hard for them to get across. It's true. Um. So I'll go. I'll go three point five though. I enjoyed it. I'll give one to Prim because I liked her. I'll give one to Clever Buns. I'll give one to Rue. And I'll give my halfy to Mr. Kravitz. Mm, yes. Very yes. good. Mm-hmm. Kelly Lindsay. 
I'm going to do a 3.75. Um, I love when it gets exactly. Yeah, well, because <laughs> I'm a little more okay with the romance just because I do like romances. I wish it was done better. Mm-hmm. All of my deductions are going to be because of, mostly because of how race is kind of handled. I just think you can't help but look at this and it with the like the things that we know now mm-hmm. the wetness of the wig is i'm that's maybe a full nipple wow. that i think so the bulk of it is is the wet wig okay Fair. um but like you know i think because i actually i almost hate it more when things are too ham-fisted and when things are too like bonking you on the head with like this is feminist like mm-hmm. i sure. am okay with it just because I'm being selfish and just purely rating this on how I'm liking it rather than like how I would have liked it at 13. Sure. To me, I think it did handle like, hey, this is kind of how the patriarchy is treating women and like kind of parading them around and, and that kind of thing. So for me, that's that's why it, it sits at a pretty 3.75. So I'm going to do one one for Clever Buns because I did like her. <laughs> she really ended up being the hero of this. Unsung hero. I was going to say she's the MVP of Hunger Games. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> she was. She was Patton so busy. Have won. She was really, really fucking hustling. Yeah, hustling. <laughs> um, one for, oh, Katniss's uh, leather jacket at the beginning. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, one for Rue because I did really love Rue and I wished, I also wish she didn't die. And then 0.75 to the Tooch's teeth. Ooh. Oh, they oh, were good. so yeah. good. Thank you for not letting that drop off. Yeah. Irresponsible of me as a veneer scholar to yeah. not point out. Yes. I mean, veneers. just very like yes. chiclety veneers. <laughs> really. Full on. It's amazing. You can understand a word he says. Yes. Yeah. It's, but he's a professional. <laughs> he's a professional. He's a professional. A pro- always yeah. a professional. Hey, what if he like had to train 10 hours a day to learn how to talk with those veneers? <laughs> I went to veneer training. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Filming began. Um, <laughs> you i so uh as far as f- like just full-on movie review i would do three nips mm-hmm. as far as uh ethnic diversity a mere one nip mm-hmm. as far as female representation and this is mostly based on the actual content and intention less so on direction mm-hmm. i think direction is where the messaging fell short perhaps mm-hmm. and where things got muddy mm-hmm. I don't think it was the writing. I think the writing was very solid. So I'm going to give it four. I'm mm. going to give it four nips mm. nice. for f- just female representation. Nice. And that's one of the things where the Hunger Games uh, fall short, where the Twilight franchise does not, because the first installment of the f- Twilight franchise was directed by a woman, where you would think that the Hunger Games would benefit <laughs> mm-hmm. from a female director, because it mm-hmm. would, mm-hmm. and they did not make the right choice. Mm. we gotta do more twilight movies on the podcast i think what well but then i don't think katherine hardwick ever directs a twilight movie again because sexism right Mm. it's true Mm. but it's true all right anyway two to clever buns (laughs) great thank you full set for clever Uh buns uh one to rue and one to rue's really artfully done funeral bed oh beautiful funeral bed (gasps) beautiful funeral bed Oh, mm-hmm. Found a lot of good fan art surrounding that. Oh, yes. that makes sense. I bet. Very I bet. Well done, Honorable art. mention to Pita as a rock. Yeah. Oh, 
Peter as a rock. No one gave Peter as a rock. Peter as a rock. But it's just it's just because rocks. Are, he was in disguise so well, and rocks don't have nipples. So yeah, that is he why. was concealed. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that is why covered in nipples. <laughs> Were clever buns buns just nipples? I mean, yes. A deep feminist reading does reveal. Clever nips. Uh, Well, thanks to the both of you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. This is very fun. What would you like to plug? Where can people follow you online, individually, as a podcast? You name it. I am Kelly Nugent. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Nugent, K-E-L-L-Y-N-U-G-E-E. If you have El Rey Network on your cable package, you can watch me on El Rey Nation. Uh, That is Thursday nights, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, where I talk about all things pop culture. Um, You can listen to my podcast, Same Day Shipping, where I ship everyone with everyone. Um, (laughs) And you can also listen to me and Lindsay's podcast, Teen Creeps, where we review YA pulp fiction like Christopher Pike, Arl Stein, and many, many more. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to get you on the podcast now because yes. we already had Jamie. Come full um, circle. So I'm Lindsay Katai. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-K-A-T-A-I. And please check out the Cartoon Network show Infinity Train, which is out there to find now. Yay! Finally. Very excited. I think everybody who watches it will like it. Hell yeah. Incredible. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having us. And may the odds ever be in your favor. Oh, we have to plug stuff too. Um, You can follow us. (laughs) I was like, um, are we going to keep going? (laughs) You can catch us on all the social meds at Bechdelcast. You can... Uh, sign up for our Patreon at Patreon, aka Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where we're serving you two extra episodes a month for $5. What a bargain. Wow. And you can get our merch on our merch store at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. We've got... Stay tuned for Clever Buns merch. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Feminist Please. icon PETA as a rock. Yeah, that would be so good. Oh, Peter if you could somehow get the like do something with the Chevy logo <laughs> with like painted so as a rock and then like PETA popping out of it. Oh. With a huge gaping wound in his oh. thigh. I love living in niche culture. Absolutely. It's good. It's Maybe that'll be in our merch store. <laughs> But uh, yeah, check us out on all those places. Also, BechtelCast.com for our live appearances and uh, things like that. Because, you know, we have live shows here and there. Uh, And once again, (laughs) may the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.